Ronananian. She's from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I understand she's 12 years old. She's attending a class or taking a class on technology and auto repair. She needs to interview a mechanic, and lucky me, I'm the guy. The Car Doctor. I've never been anybody's homework before. Oh, well, I guess it's the first time for both of us. There you go. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ronnie and the car doctor here at your service at 855-560-9900. Down and dirty, ready to fix your car today. So give us a call at 855-560-9900. I am Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. There you'll find links to tunein.com, iHeart, iTunes.com. If you need me during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. And don't forget to get out to Facebook. We should point that out. Get out to Facebook, like the page. We'll send you a Car Doctor t-shirt if we use your question that you ask on the air. And uh, that is an ongoing offer to you, each and every one of you, whether you're on the air live with us or not. We're trying to get rid of these extra T-shirts that we ordered by mistake. We have about 10,000 of them, and uh, we're giving away one per week for the rest of the year, and we'll figure out what to do with the rest at the end of the year. But um, it's simple. Like the Facebook page, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Ask a question. If we answer it on air, we'll be sending you your very own Car Doctor T-shirt. I was thinking this week about... Some of the differences in auto repair and how it varies by region across the country. And it seems that as dissimilar as it is and as similar as it is, it's it's all bound by one common thing, and that's technology. And I was going to give an opening conversation about it, and then lo and behold, my executive producer called in from the road, and I think he's going to help prove the point about how technology doesn't seem to change all across the country. Fast Harry, are you there, sir? I'm here, Ron. How are you today? How are the listeners? Everybody seems good. Uh, how's things down there, Kentucky way? Uh, Kentucky is good. I'm I'm here with the love of my life. As you know, I took a little road trip to see her, yep. and uh, we're in Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, what's your first impression? You're a Jersey boy, born and bred. So what's your what's your impression of Kentucky? I have to be honest with you, Ron. The people are nicer than Jersey. You know, you bump into someone in a supermarket by accident. They say, they say, sorry, dear, or sorry, sir. In New Jersey, they're like, you know, get out of the way. Yeah, well, that's 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 the Jersey thing. The only problem with down there versus versus Jersey is when you're down there, you Go can't tell you can't tell when somebody's angry with you because they kind of suppress that. So up here, at least, uh, you know, Ron, because- the people here. The, the the people that live in this state and nearby Ohio are are they're just wonderful. It's a it's like a whole different. You're not coming. Uh, you're mentality. Not, everybody. I guess the best way to say it is everybody's kind. Yeah, you're not you're not coming home, huh? Uh, I don't want to, to be honest with you. All right. Well, but I'll be leaving here Monday, uh, and I'll be back at the show Saturday. Oh, goody! We're all excited. So, listen. What is it you wanted to make a comment? You were you were on your road trip out, and uh, you, you ran into something yeah, listening to the radio. Through, yeah, I was driving through. I drove from Jersey to Kentucky, so I happened to, uh, you know, I did like two six-hour segments. So I'm in the car last Friday or Saturday morning, uh, Saturday morning, and I going through Cleveland, and I hear a two-man uh, car show calling. I said, "Well, I'm gonna." You know, I'm scanning the radio for stations, and they happen to be coming on the air, so I'm going to listen to them. 
So I'm saying, I said, this will be good to get another perspective on what we go through, you know, with the shop in, in New Jersey and stuff. So a young lady calls up and she goes, I have a question for you guys. Uh, and they said, okay, what happened? So the girl says, well, I wanted to change the oil on my 2011 Toyota or 2012 Toyota Highlander. So I got up my manual and it had all the pictures in and everything. And, and what happened was after I was done, uh, the transmission wouldn't shift right. So I was wondering how that could be. So I took it down to my local service station. I showed them exactly what they did. And they told me that I had drained the transmission and put oil in the transmission instead of draining the oil and, and the engine and putting it into the engine. Ikes. Yikes. So they they drained and flushed the transmission three times, but it still slips between first and second. So I'm listening to this, and the guy said, well, you know, one of the gentlemen said, well, you know, you can continue to flush it. Maybe it'll get better. The other guy says, well, the transmission is toast. He goes, he goes, well, how much oil did you put in the trans? She goes, well, as much as I took out three, you know, three quarts. And he goes, you put three quarts oil in the transmission. She She goes, yes. And here's the key line, and this is what I want to say and just show you things are not different and to show you how specialized everything is. Her line to them was when he said, why did you uh, put oil in the transmission? She replies, well, I'm a medical student in my third year learning how to operate on a person. So she said, I figured how hard could it be to change the oil in the car compared to what I do? And I thought that was the best line I had ever heard. Well, and the, like and, what you say, specialized. Everything is complicated. Everything is and complicated. You have to take it to a qualified person. Everything is complicated. We had someone call the shop yesterday and we were talking. They're, they're new to town and uh, they're going to be in this week for an oil change. And we were talking about some of the issues they'd been having. And I pointed out the problem is that consumers just see still see the car the same to a large degree. Turn the key, it runs, right. drive, go. What's under the hood now is so radically different. You know, my wife's 2005 Malibu is so radically different than a 2010, than a 2015, than a 2016. The, the, the technology is just light years apart. Every year it seems to multiply itself out exponentially to the point that what you're working on, it, it, it's, it's not your father's Oldsmobile, not to sound cliche, but right. it's, it's, and it's gotten to that point. Uh, you know, I understand, well, I understand the young lady was a medical student, and I get how smart she is. And listen, uh, you know what, I kid right. around about doctors. Doctors have it tough. I mean, that's life and death. Um, auto repair is life and death, too. You do something wrong, that's a different conversation. But my point is, right. you know what, I don't think there's much that consumers can do on some of the newer cars right now until they get some schooling on it or get some education. And, and, well, that, that and, and here's, a, here, here's a girl with pictures right in front of her of where to drain the engine oil, and she drains the transmission. Right, because it's hard to see. You know, people don't right. realize, I think, listen, you once told me, and then I'm going to go, you once told me okay. that if I could afford it, I should let everybody work on their own car and let them bring it into the shop and put it up in the air. I never forgot this. This is 20 years ago you said this. I should make some space, let people come into the shop, work on their own car, and after they tried to do that, they'd never want to do it again because of, of what right. they have to go through. And, and, and to a right. large just degree, wheel the car out of the second bay and wheel it into the third bay. Right. <laughs> you know, to a large degree, that's true. Uh, you know, we now have issues where we're seeing technicians. Listen, the repair of the week, the second hour, this week is all about an, an oxygen sensor that was replaced three times by a shop looking for the same result. You know, the definition of insanity. Right. 
and and right. the technology is just everything is so involved and connected to one another. But listen, anyway, let me go. Let me get some calls in. Have a safe trip home. We look okay. forward to seeing you here next yep. week. All yep. right, we'll bro. We'll see you Tuesday, Wednesday. All right, I'll talk to you then. All righty, you take good care. Hey, um, you know the technology is just. Just tough, just really tough. Let's real quick, let's go over to Ruth Livingston, New Jersey. Some questions about a Mazda 3. Yes, Ruth, how can I help? Ruth? Yes. Yes, Ruth. Hi, Ron and Annie in the car doctor. How can I help? Yes, uh, I have an 08 Mazda. Okay. And uh, this happened once before, and it happened the other day. I pulled in my driveway and went to shut off the car. It wouldn't shut off but it was making a banging noise coming from under the hood for about 10 minutes, and then it stopped. So you turn the now key... Now I drove in it, and it's fine. I don't know what happened. You, you turned the key off, that you had the key out in your hand, and the engine kept running? Yes. I, I had the key out in my hand. The engine kept running. I couldn't stop it, and the car was rocking. It was coming from under the hood. You know, back in the old days of, of carburetors in the 80s, we would see this kind of a problem, and it was run-on or dieseling, we sometimes called it, and it was the result of poor gasoline. Do you know what brand of fuel you're using? Sunoco. I go to the same station all the time. Consistently? Yes, my, I fill it up all the time. My My one thought would be to try switching brands and see if that makes a difference, and also consider... Maybe having your mechanic pull a fuel sample, there might be contamination in the tank causing that particular problem. But it just strikes me, you know, I'm, I'm looking for possibly water or something that's going to alter the characteristics of the fuel. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, this is, you know, this is not a common complaint on a newer vehicle. This is a computer-controlled car. When it's off, it's off. The throttle plate's closed. There aren't any, there aren't any real known issues here. I would just, number one, go right to fuel. Does it happen? Well, it only happened once, you said, right, Ruth? This is the second time it happened. Yeah, I'd... And then once it stopped, uh, it was no more problem. Could it be something in the car that's heating up? Yeah, well, well in the old, you know, back when it used to happen on carbureted vehicles, it would be hot spots in the cylinders. The inside of the engine would be hot, and it would ignite the fuel on its own. The volatility of the fuel um, and the way the, uh, the fuel was manufactured, and it's changed a lot in 25 years that it would self-ignite and detonate and diesel, and it would, it would it was called run-on. There were television ads for it, engine run-on, and you would hear the engine trying to run. It was actually running backwards in some cases, and uh, it didn't sound good. And just like you're describing, it was a rough shake of the vehicle, it was a shutter, and it was a lot of noise. You know, I... I, I yeah, even I, though the car was shut off. Right, even though the car is shut off. It self-ignites off hot spots inside the engine. How many miles are on the car, Ruth? Uh, eight thousand. Yeah. Okay. That was my next thought. You know, there's. Yeah, I don't drive that much. Right. I just drive local. There's probably issues with carbon deposits inside this engine, and that might be self-igniting. Or, and I hate to say it like that. It sounds like it's it's it's, but it's it sounds like I would do two things. Number one, I would change brands of fuel temporarily. Give it a month, but in a month, I don't know how far you're going to go. I would talk to your mechanic, ask him to consider doing a carbon cleaning to remove any carbon deposits that I'm sure are built up in this 8,000 mile. You're going 1,000 miles a year. 
you know, you, uh, you, just you, about. Yeah. I just drive local. Right. You know, you're going a hundred miles. You're going. You're not even going a hundred miles a month. Um, no, I know. I would. I would think about carbon deposits. Uh, think about the fireplace. Chunks of, uh, you know, embers, coal, glowing orange, igniting the fuel and or the quality of the fuel. And I would. I would do a carbon cleaning. I would change brands of fuel and see what that does for you, and give us a call back if it continues. 855-560-9900. Run on in the car doctor. Back to help you right after this. Welcome back. We're on the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's get over to the phones. Bruce, Long Island, New York, 94 Buick LeSabre. What's going on, Bruce? How can I help? Hello there, yes, sir. Ron. Yes, sir. And I have to say thank you, sir, for your many years of service. Oh, you're very welcome. And instruction to most of us that yeah. understand what you're saying. Mm. I, I, I'm only I, I, a I, backyard mechanic who's tried to do the best. Uh, listen, I, I appreciate that, Bruce. Unfortunately, I think your time and my time is coming to an end. I don't think it's going to happen right away, but I would say eight to ten years from now, I think the automotive world is going to look very, very different. And right. We're, we're gonna, yes, it, I saw it too as well because yeah. I keep on renting a car. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, uh, I, I turned around the other day and said, just like you had said last week, the cars are beginning to look alike. Yep. Yep. And I can't do it anymore physically. And with the Buick, I'd like to keep it alive because it still has a lot of good time left. Only 90,000 miles. But it's a, as it was described to me, the catalytic converter has a slight hole in it. It's about the size of a silver dollar or a quarter. Yeah. Is it? Is it the round plug fell out the bottom of the cat? Don't know yet. Okay. Haven't had it up on the lift. So the mechanic in my muffler shop that I always work with, and I trust them dearly. Throughout the years, many years, uh, he said he can do something about it. And my thought is, can it? Is it worth putting in a brand new, or could just a slight patch, which I feel that they could put uh, some sheet metal, weld it. Well, the problem is to weld to a 22-year-old piece of exhaust system. Right. Even though it's stainless. It's right. it's still going to have surface corrosion on it. Uh, so that's that's the I, I, that's the I problem. Figure, yes. So the yeah. ability the ability to seal that is going to be difficult. You know, okay. a, a replacement cat is going to be a couple of hundred dollars. You're not going to put an OE cat on that. You're going to put an aftermarket cat on it. Uh, right. You know, it's not it's not going to be killer money. But what no. you what you've got to look at is in in terms of doing it right. Uh, the other problem is going to be what are the rest of the exhaust flanges like because the car is so old or older, exhaust flanges, bolts, things like that are going to be rusted, and they're going to be an issue. So you've got to look at the whole system. I think 
I I would tell you if we were standing in the shop, I would tell you that we've got to consider you know repairing it with a new piece. But then, what's the rest of the system look like, and how's that going to affect? Um, how's that going to affect how we go about it? Exactly. So, yeah. No, I I'm right on the same page and same church and yeah yeah i'm just in a different role <laughs> yeah. yeah no i, I get you um yeah. i get you you know unfortunately and this is this is the other factor and i said this years ago and i'm, I'm finding that it's just truer more true every day cars are cars are just it's it's a lifestyle and they're an expense and yes. it, you know after it's three years old I still read reports where if you average it out, it's 125 to 150 dollars a month to maintain a car. It's gone up a little bit in the last couple of years, depending upon the car. But it's it's also getting very expensive to repair the newer cars to the point that region by region in the country, you know, you'll see in the Midwest they're driving older vehicles, but here in the New York tri-state area, it's the car is five years old and out the door it goes. People don't hang on to cars. You with a '94 Buick, my gosh, that's that's unheard of. Uh, well, I've know. kept it up. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. Listen, I, I had someone the other day say to me, it was a uh, 2002 Honda Odyssey with 114,000 easy miles on it. That car's easily got another 60, 70,000 miles in it. It could probably exactly. run to 200. The car needs a timing belt and brakes. Do you think? I do it. Do you think I should get rid of the car? Y- you know. Sometimes sticker shock is a good term because you have to let them go out and look at the price of that new car and consider it. If the car is structurally sound, if if there's you know a minimal amount of rust, if any, if the engine is strong, if you've done the maintenance, if you've done the care, it's still cheaper to keep them to a large degree. The, the, totally. The, the, the problems that I see come up are still lack of maintenance. Somebody repaired it and didn't repair it properly. And or there are rust issues somewhere along the way, body damage, water leaks, things like that. So uh, we're about to go through a revolution in this country or an evolution. I'm not sure which way to look at it. Both ways are the same. Yeah. uh, You know, it's it's really going to change the way we're looking at cars. We just went through the industry, just went through uh, December, January, February, March, a time frame of change and the way the business transitioned that I thought was going to take six to eight years to happen, it happened within a four-month span. Exactly. And, and, and it's happening just like that. Bruce, I appreciate the call, and I thank you for being a loyal listener these these many years. And um, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Who knows, maybe I'll be the flying car doctor in the next six or eight years. I can't wait. I can't imagine what that'll possibly look like. Um, but in any event, hey, coming up in the next segment, no, two segments, coming up in the next half hour. This week's T-shirt winner from Facebook, so stay tuned for that. I'm Ron and The Car Doctor. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Ron and The Car Doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number in the flow and ready to go here as we keep moving forward this hour. Let's get over and talk to Tim in Flint, Michigan, 2007 Chevy Impala. Tim, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Great. My pleasure. I'm a big fan. Thank you, sir. What, what can I do for you? Uh, I've lost dropout this used Impala. Okay. Uh, Tim, are you there? 
Yes, I'm here. Yeah, your phone's breaking up a little bit, babe. Let's start that conversation over. Let's give it another try. What do you got, a 2007 Chevy Impala? Yes, I bought this car about six months ago. My life to drive. Just just old than what I wanted. Right. Very good shape. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Can we get Tim? Tim, can we get you to call back on a landline because you're breaking up so hard that it's really kind of difficult? So let's give you a minute to do that. And um, let me let me move ahead. You know what? Let's do the T-shirt giveaway this segment, and uh, we'll just flip things around real quick. This comes to us from Mark Pollard. He's liked us out on Facebook. He went out to the Car Doctor Facebook page, and he liked us. And he asked the question, hey, Ron, I've got a 2004 Volvo XC90 with a T6 Auto that started smoking intermittently. My son-in-law called me asking why it was doing so when I first started it. There's a light amount of smoke that passes quickly as if there's a little oil in the cylinders when first starting but clears up. However, on long trips after three to five hours on a road trip, it will smoke profusely. Is there a seal in the turbo that starts to allow oil to pass through when under long-term stress, or is there a more complex problem, or is there a simple one? I'll tell you what, Mark, and by the way, you're going to be getting a Car Doctor t-shirt. We need you to reply to us, Ron, at cardoctorshow.com, so we can send you out. If you give us your name and address, we'll send you out a t-shirt. There's a couple of things going on here. Number one, And this is a real common problem with Volvos, but they have a crankcase ventilation system that everybody seems to forget about. And the least little bit of crankcase pressure will cause issues like this. Um, It needs to be checked with, well, a very fancy vacuum gauge. It's called a manometer. It measures in inches of water, not inches of vacuum. It's very, very uh, uh, sensitive. And what somebody would need to do is if it shows a higher than normal reading, they they would need to clean the crankcase vent, which is part of the banjo bolt assembly going up to the oil trap. So there is a bulletin out there from Volvo, uh, technical bulletin 20, 20-005, I'm sorry, and you may end up having to remove the oil pan depending upon how badly clogged up or restricted up this particular engine is. So it can be an issue. Um, could this be in the turbocharger? Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the cases with the Volvos was that the crank ventilation, what we might normally call PCV or positive crankcase ventilation back in the old days, isn't cleaned or maintained. And it makes the argument for doing good oil changes or or normal oil changes and also doing them using good quality oil. And that's one of the reasons, you know, let's just bring it right up to the table, Pennzoil. You start talking about Pennzoil, if you go out to Pennzoil, synthetics.com you'll see one of the conversations they have is how clean their synthetics will help keep an engine and the way they're rated you know you hear me talk about pistons and keeping pistons clean and and keeping the inside of the engine clean on an older car like this this is one of the advantages of using a good quality synthetic and right now according to data and statistics Pennzoil's a, a cleaner synthetic than Mobile One, which I know everybody loves and, and, and raves about so much. But, you know, I go by the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. So keeping in mind that cleaning the crankcase vent, possibly having to drop the pan and clean it there, taking a look for any other sludge issues around the engine, this could be a crankcase pressure problem causing it to smoke like that. Could also be a turbo. Could be a tired engine. You know, it's it's got a fair amount of miles on it. But my point being that some of the simple things can be just cleaning that vent valve and then going ahead and switching to a different oil, possibly using Pennzoil Synthetic, might help clean this engine up and stop the problem from happening or slow it down. And if you're looking for more information about 
Pennzoil Synthetics. Get out to PennzoilSynthetics.com. Mark, send me an email, Ron, at CarDoctorShow.com, and I will be glad to send you out a Car Doctor t-shirt. Thanks for liking our Facebook page, and thanks for asking the question and being a member of the Car Doctor Nation. Let's get over to the phones. Let's go over and talk to William in Cornelius, North Carolina, 95 Toyota Land Cruiser. William, how can I help you? Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor at your service. Hey, uh, yeah, I've got a 95 Land Cruiser, and uh, usually when it gets warmed up going down the road, the speedometer starts fluttering and going in uh, up to max speed and then back down. The transmission skips a little bit. Okay. What's, what's um, I had, sent it to a transmission shop, and they said the transmission was fine. I put in a transmission sensor, uh, and that, that didn't help it. I bypassed the catalytic converters, and uh, the catalytics seem to be fine, so it's not that problem. What, so. what, 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 why would you bypass the catalytic converters for a speedometer issue? Well, I did a uh, diagnostics on it, and they said it was a catalytic converter that was bad. So instead of putting the money in a brand-new cat, I went ahead and bypassed them to see if it was that, and it still did the same issue without the cat, so the, I'm the, thinking the catalytic's good. The, the, the speedometer's not working. Well, no, it works. It'll work fine, and then when it warms up, you know, after fifteen or twenty miles, it, that's when it happens. Oh, they're thinking the cats so, are getting—they're thinking the cats are getting too hot, affecting speedometer operation. Yep. Yep. Wow. And uh, right, and starting to uh, clog up, and that's what's affecting it. So. Wow, I've I've I've, I've never heard that one. That's that's kind of neat. Well, and evidently, that's what the diagnostics from the Toyota dealership said also, that it was a catalytic converter. Wow. Okay. Well, I wasn't there, but i got to tell you, that's a new one on me. Um, okay. l- let me ask you this. If you hook up a scan tool and bring up miles per hour, does it read anything? I have not done that. Okay. Simplest test in the world. Okay. Yeah. And, and i got to tell you, now I'm going to pick on somebody. Somebody had a scan tool on this, pulled codes. And and they didn't. It'll it'll take me three minutes. I'll go to select you know data. We call them PIDs, and I can select the miles per hour PID. Bring it up. Take the car for a road test. If it's working, then I know the electronic side of this. The signal is reaching the ECM, and I don't have any other problem there. So now I'm going to start okay. to look at and consider: Do you have a bad speedometer head? And and okay. remember this. All right, and it's easy for me to sit here and say this, but I do this every day, so I stick my head in the noose every day. My job as a technician, forget being on radio, my job as a technician, i got to get to the middle of your problem as fast as I can so I know which direction to go. So, you know, from that sense, I would bring up a scan tool, bring up miles per hour. If I'm reading 20 miles an hour and I'm doing 20 miles an hour and the speedometer's acting wacky, the sensor's good. The catalytic converters aren't at fault. I don't have any other issues. My problem is then from the engine control module out because the engine control module has direct effect on that speedometer. And, okay. And I possibly have a bad speedometer head. It's not common, but it is possible. Okay. All right? That's simple. All right. That was, yeah, I was thinking it was something electrical, but I wasn't sure where it was. Right. I'll try but that. Let's find out. Hey, listen, for that matter, okay, and I... Don't know if this is going to be 100%, but one of the other things I would look at is, does the cruise control work? Yes. It, it, so if the cruise control works and it's steady, and the cruise control is fed by the same sensor that feeds the speedometer, which I believe it to, then okay. it's not it's not the speedometer, it's not the sensor, it's not the catalytic converters, 
and it's not the engine controller. My guess is it's on the other side of the ECM. Either it's wiring at the ECM, which I doubt, or it's speedometer head, in which case you'll probably have to pull the cluster out and have it sent out to a speedo shop for calibration and testing. Well, I've already done that. I pulled the cluster out and sent it off, and they said it was normal. Interesting. Then let's go back yeah. and see. If, let's go back and see if it reads with a scan tool and what we see. Okay, the scan tool. All right. All right. I'll I'll try that. Sounds good. Thank I'm, you. I'm here if you need me. Give me a call. All right, William. Okay. Take good Thank care. You. Appreciate it. Ron and Annie in the car doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. For William in North Carolina, if he's still listening, uh, two additional thoughts. I, I can't believe they said catalytic converter. I don't know where that came from. Uh, keep in mind that if you do read miles per hour on the scan tool, before you jump and say, hey, it's got to be a bad speedo head, my next step would be also pull the speedometer cluster out and look to see, do you have a signal? That's just a square wave. It was typically somewhere between 9 and 14 volts, uh, just a square wave signal at the speedometer head itself. If you've got a square wave signal, then it's got to be the head. If not, then you might have to run a new wire between the head and the ECM, or at the very least, run a new wire from the head to the ECM and from the ECM down to the speed sensor. Does that eliminate the problem, even though it shouldn't be from the ECM to the speed sensor because you've you would at that point know that you've got good signal on the scan tool. So just, geez, just to take the catalytic converters off, I, I can't imagine the, the aggravation. But anyway, just just a thought, William, if you're out there and you're still listening. Frank, Congress, New York. How can I help you, sir? Welcome to the car doctor. How you doing, my friend? How's it going? All right, good. What's going on? Okay, what I got was here's a little thought of mine for people out there. It's like uh, I'm a volunteer fireman, and, you know, when you change your clocks, you get to change the batteries and your smoke detectors, but yep. I was talked to uh, years ago, definitely, right, definitely. Yep. Um, years ago, though, one of my friends was talking, we were talking about air filters, you know? You drive your car, you drive your car, you get the oil change, you do this, you do that. But if you don't change your air filter, especially going into the summertime, because you got the AC going, it clogs up, and your, your engine needs to breathe. Yep. Correct? I, I agree with that, Absolutely. And, and you should do that, like, on a normal basis. When you open that up, it could be a little uh, mouth uh, in there or something, a little leaves and stuff, and that hurts the engine, doesn't it? Air filters today are, 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 are very often overlooked. Now, uh, come away with the understanding that on newer cars, things made in the last 10, 12 years, because to me that's a newer vehicle, you know, typically right. air, air filters are done, air filter maintenance is done as part of scheduled maintenance at the majors. Major right. major services on cars are 30, 60, 90,000 miles, 120,000 miles, right. and so on. But, you know, if you're a forest ranger, if you're in a dirty environment, if you're idling a lot, if you're a security guard how about sitting... A, how about the, construction work today? Right, construction, construction work. work it's it, it's going to need to be done sooner. One of the one of the biggest right. problems that people don't realize is 
Now everybody is opting for cheap air filters. Oh, I want to I want to save money. I'm going to put a cheaper air filter in my car. And the problem is, you know, they think, well, it just gets dirty. I throw it out. The problem is, can the filter adequately protect not only the engine, but the very expensive mass airflow sensor that a lot of vehicles have on the road today? So, you know, when you pick an air filter, you really need to pick something that is OE level. Original. When I say OE, I mean original equipment level, as the manufacturer designed it for. And to check it on a regular basis, absolutely. You know, in some cases, some people will need an air filter every 10,000 miles. Some people will need an air filter every 40,000 miles. You know, but the bottom right. line, as you say, right. Frank, um, you know, it, it, it really is an often overlooked item. And I'll tell you what, for you um, out there, if you get out to WixFilters.com, and I say this because... Wix makes some of the best filters out there on the marketplace. But you can read in WixFilters.com. They they talk all about filter design and how it comes to be and the value of it. And keep in mind, if you're looking for any Wix filters, get out to O'ReillyAuto.com. You can get out to O'Reilly Auto Parts and um, do that, too. Hey, Frank, do me a favor. Stay on the line. I appreciate everything you do as a fireman. We're going to send you out a Car Doctor T-shirt. You're getting to be a regular around here. I know the name, Frank from Congress. Let's send a Car Doctor T-shirt his way, Tom. Take good care of him. He's uh, he's running into the house on fire when everybody else is running out. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anini of The Car Doctor. Thanks for being with me this hour. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Uh, let me start this segment by saying that. And keep in mind that the 855-560-9900 number is 24-7. 855-560-9900. You can call. Leave a message when we're not on the air. This radio show is live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But you can call 855-560-9900. Leave a message. And Fast Harry... If he ever comes back from Kentucky, our executive producer, I'm sure he will at some point, and um, he will call you back and put you in queue and uh, get you up in here for the next broadcast of this radio show. A couple of emails. Hey, Ron, I've got a 2011 Toyota RAV4 six-cylinder. I need tires. I don't care how many miles I get on them. Which brand and model tire do you recommend? I want to know what you're putting on in the shop. I do need tires that run smooth. What do you like? I'm looking for a softer ride. Also, how often do you recommend changing the transmission fluid? Thanks, Joe. Joe, um, answer the, the second half of the question first. Changing transmission fluid on an 11 Toyota RAV. If you talk to Toyota, they tell you it's WS fluid, which means it's good forever or until the trans blows up, whichever comes first. Me personally, real world, and what I see the majority of people in the Toyota dealers that are honest with me as I talk to the different manufacturers, talk to the service writers and the techs, um, they're changing trans fluid at 50,000, 60,000 miles, and I agree with that. Sometimes we're doing it a little sooner, depending upon how it's used and how dirty it is. And, um, you know, it's just, just real-world stuff. Everything everything lives in the real world. Unfortunately, manufacturers write service intervals like we live in fantasy land, and that's not reality. Reality isn't about selling cars that don't need maintenance. Reality is keeping you safe, keeping the car reliable. So uh, changing that particular fluid, like a lot of fluids earlier than they recommend, is the norm. As far as what tire to put on this Toyota RAV4, General Ultimax RT43, RT43 is the best tire out there right now, in my opinion. We're doing a lot of them in the shop, 
and we just did three sets last week. We've got a bunch of them coming in this week. We like what we see. We like the real-world tread indicators that tell you when the tires need to be replaced. We like the alignment indicators. We like the multiple sipes. The sipe is the um, area of the tire that washes away water to keep the tire from hydroplaning. We like the way they do that. We also like the fact that they give you multiple edge of the tire, so it's got like multiple tread layers or multiple tread edges to give more bite and more grip to the road. You can read more about it out at the General Tire website. Just get out to generaltire.com, and um, you can read all about it out there. But, yeah, as far as my money, it's all about the Ultimax and uh, what they bring to the table. I appreciate the question, Joe, and I appreciate each and every one of you taking the time to be part of my day today, and thank you for letting me be part of yours. There's another hour of The Car Doctor coming up right after the news, so don't forget if you're on an affiliate that happens to take it. If not, find podcasts at cardoctorshow.com. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.